arms. Give it your all. We'll, we'll drink, drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls and then the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin, and today we are jumping into Chapter 5, Questioners. And starting off from a different point of view, we're starting off from kind of a Gwaine's perspective, but um, yeah, so... <laughs> Starts out with Egwene going, hey, they should be back by now. Where are they? What's going on? Why aren't they back yet? You know, the usual same repetitive questions about the same thing. Um, and she's trying to use this painted silk fan and using it as much as she possibly can. But because of the heat and humidity of tear, it's a bit difficult for it to work properly. But she notices that the Tyran women carry the fans all the time. At least the nobles do. And the wealthy but as far as she's experienced, they don't do any good except when the sun's down. And even then, it's not that much more. It's just always bloody hot. Um, but everything, lights, candles, everything all over around them seems to make it even hotter. But that's kind of her little scenario situation she's got going on for her now. But Moraine had promised them about an hour in the first time of days, and then she left without explanation after just five minutes. And she's like, well, is, is there any reason that she would want her, Avienda? Like, who wanted her for that matter? But on on the floor, cross-legged, was Avienda, who had large green eyes startling in her dark tan face. In her coat and breeches and soft boots, Shufa looped about her neck. She appeared unarmed. In other words, she's very deadly and has the grace of a dangerous feline, like a leopard or a panther or whatever you want to call it. And Avienda responds with, you know, Kareen just whispered a message to Maureen Sedai. It would not have been proper to listen. I'm sorry, I Sedai, because at this point, which we're about to cover, she's not supposed to be accepting of being I to die. Yes, there was a pun there, on purpose. And Egwene's kind of guilty, and she fingers her great serpent ring on her right hand, the gold serpent biting its own tail. As an accepted, she should have been wearing it on her third finger of her left hand, but letting the High Lords believe that there had been four full Aes Sedai inside the stone kept them on their best manners, or what passed for manners, among Tyran nobles. And Moraine didn't lie, but she never said they were more than accepted. But she never said they were accepted, either, and let everyone think what they wanted to think and believe what they thought they saw. Moraine, being an Aes Sedai, could not lie, but she could make the truth dance a fine jig. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, that sounds about right, but at the same time, it's it's not lying, like, lying by omission's not really a thing. It's just withholding information. Now, is that always a good thing? No. Is it always a bad thing? No. It depends on the scenario, depends on the situation. But Aes Sedai are essentially trained to wield truth like a sword, and they are supposed to be blade masters in this field. So where Lan is actually a legitimate blade master of the sword, they are blade masters of the truth. Well, at least they're supposed to be. 
Um, not all of them are very good at it. And some of them, well, obviously they've broken certain oaths, so they're probably a little too good at it because they just lie outright. Namely, the 13 women we're following now, except now it's, I think we're down to, what, uh, 11? <laughs> because two of them are now currently in their hands. So, and Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine had pretended full sisterhood since leaving the tower, but they're not on an oath at the moment, which is kind of weird because you'd think that when you come in as a novice or an accepted, which apparently has only happened once with Nynaeve, it would make more sense to, how do you put it, uh, basically make them have the oaths right away. And then that way they can get used to trying to twist the truth. They can get used to it all the way up to Aes Sedai. So by the time they're Aes Sedai, they're, they're masters at it because they're most novices are novices for years. And uh, it would make more sense, but it's, it's odd that they don't, but that's just the way they have the system. I guess you're only important enough to have these oaths if you're high enough, which means technically if you only ever got to accepted, But you had sheer power behind you. Like, let's say if Nynaeve ever was like, I'm accepted and I never get to Aes Sedai, I never have to take the three oaths. She could lie all she wants and still, if she got rid of her block, blast the power anywhere, which way or why. But I don't think the tower would let her do that. But like, what are you going to do? Capture her and prevent, like, take her ability from her because you just don't like the fact that she, I mean, it's, it's a weird scenario in every shape or form. And if you don't, they'll just keep you trapped in the tower as a novice or accepted literally for the rest of your life. And you'll never get to an Aes Sedai tier, which is kind of sad and very evil if you think about it. But that's beside the point. Um, but now that they're becoming friends with Avienda, um, they, like, you know, they want to be like true friends and whatnot. But while Egwene is posing as an Aes Sedai. She doesn't think that she can be friends with Avienda because there's kind of this big unspoken lie going on. But if they do become friends, she, you know, still couldn't tell her the truth because the best way to keep a secret was to make sure no one knew who did not absolutely have to know, and that's one that Morena had made to her and the other girls. But sometimes Egwene found herself wishing the Aes Sedai could actually be wrong, glaring wrong, at least one time at least. Not, like, the end of the world or disaster-wise, but it's just, you know, normal. So Nynaeve's like, ah, tan Chico. Her dark, wrist-thick braid hung down her back to her waist. She just heads out one of the narrow windows, or looks out one of the narrow windows, casements, just trying to catch some breeze. But then you could see out of the window was the broad River Erinan which is north and south from, like, uh, Tarvalon, and also um, swings by Kyrian and a little bit ports of uh, Andor and such. And they saw a few bobbering lanterns of fishing boats that hadn't gone downriver. But Algoin doubts that Nani's paying attention to them. So, well, guess we have no choice but to go to Tanchico. And Nynaeve, you know... You know, gives an unconscious hitch to her green dress with its wide neck that bared her shoulders. She did a lot. 
she wouldn't have she would have denied wearing the dress for Lan, Moraine's warder. Well, she would have if Egwene had dared make the suggestion, but green, blue, and white seemed to be Lan's favorite colors on women, and every dress that was not green, blue, or white had vanished from Nynaeve's wardrobe. Well, I think maybe, maybe Nynaeve has a thing for Lan. No, we haven't seen any of that recently. But she doesn't seem happy that they have to go to Tanchico. And Egwene gives herself also an upward tug of her own dress, which is odd because these dresses that clung to the shoulder dresses that just clung to the shoulders are a bit new to her. But otherwise, she doesn't believe that she could be bared to be more covered. As it was, the pale red linen felt like wool, and she wished she could bring herself to wear the flimsy gowns Berlane wore. Not that they were suitable for public eyes, obviously. But they did seem to be cooler. She's like, well, maybe I am not convinced. And obviously you get, you know, the decorations and everything. But we're not going to go into those because they're not particularly required for the scene to continue. I will say, though, that it is nice to have the descriptions so you can picture kind of the room that they're in and everything. But I also realize that it's it's not necessary beyond that. Like, you could technically write the whole book in, like, probably half its size or less if you didn't have all the excessive um, descriptions and stuff. But part of the charm is the excessiveness. But yes. Um, they're in this room that's kind of, like, not too far away from... Uh, the places that were like questioned or that tier question prisoners when everything happens. And, you know, they have the two women from uh, the Black Aja that just happened to get caught and whatnot. Um, so, Egwene doesn't typically want to go into there because she couldn't go into the dungeons, even though Rand had ordered all the implements of torture and stuff that were in the guardroom walls, melted or burned. Um, I guess he's trying to be, like, a good guy or something in that regard. <laughs> um, Nynaeve nor Elaine had been eager to return a on top of Egwene not being eager either. And um, But next to the brightly lit room with its clean, swept green tile floor and wall panels carved with the three crescents of Tyr, which is the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the symbol of Tyr or the, uh, the flag, uh, the sigil whatever you would call it. Um, but yeah. And it's a very different contrast to the uh, gray stone of the cells that are dim, dank, and dirty. 3Ds right there. Um, but yeah. But the two women have their rough woven, woven uh, woolens, and it's just a, a, dar a, a drab brown dress, and most people... That Joya Byer, staying with the table, their back turned, was a prisoner really at all. She had been in Grey Aja and lost none of the Grey's cool self-possession on shifting her allegiance to the Black. Well, yeah, it's her personality. You can't really change that too much. But she, just at appearance, first glance, it seems like she, in the direction she's aiming and everything, the way she's standing rigidly, that she's doing it because of her own choice while staring at the far wall. And not for any other particular reason. 
but only a woman who could channel would have seen the thumb-thick flows of air that held Joya's arms to her side and lashed her ankles together. A cage woven of air kept her eyes straight ahead, even if her ears were stopped up, just so she could hear not what was going on until anybody actually wanted her to. But Egwene checked the shield woven from spirit that blocked Joya from touching the true source. And, as she figured it would, it was holding. She had woven those flows herself around Joya and tied them to maintain themselves. But she could not be easy in the same room with a dark friend who had the ability to channel, even if it was blocked. Worse than just the dark friend, Black Aja. The least of Joya's crimes was murder. She could have been bowed down under the weight of broken oaths, blasted lives, and blighted souls. I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, the dim, dank, and dirty. Now we have broken oaths, blasted lives, and blighted souls. <laughs> He's really going to town on this chapter. But Joya's fellow prisoner, her sister in the Black Aja, lacked the strength, and she's standing stoop-shouldered at the far end of the table, their head down. Amika Nagoyo, or Amiko, 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 however you say it, Amiko Nagoyan is the proper term, sorry. Um, seems to be sunken on herself. And he didn't have to shield her. She'd been stilled during her capture. Still able to sense the true source, she would never again touch it and never again channel. The desire and the need to would remain as sharp as the need to breathe, and her loss to be there for much as long as she lived, with Sidar always out of her reach forever. Egwene wished she could find herself even a shred of pity, but she didn't wish for it very hard, and Amiko was murmuring, and Nynaeve tells her to speak up, and Amiko raised her face humbly on its slender neck. She's a, a, still a beautiful woman with large, dark eyes, but there's something different about her that Egwene couldn't quite put her finger on, not the fear that made her clutch her coarse prisoner's dress with both hands, something else. Amiko's like, you should go to Tanchiko. And then he's like, you've told us that 20 times, 50 times. Tell us something new. Names we do not already know. Who in the White Tower is Black Aja? And she's like, I don't know. You gotta believe me. And she's completely broken, is what she sounds like. Not all of the way she sounded when there were prisoners and she was the gaoler. In other words, the jailer. Um, but before we left the tower, I only knew of Leandrin, Chesmol, and Rihanna. No one knew more than two or three others, probably, except Leandrin, and I have told you everything I have known. It's like, well, you are remarkably ignorant for a woman who is expected to rule part of the world when the Dark One breaks free, Egwene said dryly. And it stunned her as to why she could say that pretty easily now. You know, her stomach was still clenched and icy fingers still crawled up her spine. But she didn't want to scream or run weeping, you know. This, you could probably be used to pretty much anything. Amiko's like, well, I overheard Leandrin that once talking to Tamao. I believe it's Tamao. Tamao. Sorry, Tamao. Uh, starting a tale she had told him many times, and he's like, if you could have seen Leandrin's face when she saw me, she could have murdered me on the spot had she thought I heard anything. And Tamao likes to hurt people. She enjoys it. I only heard a little bit before they saw me. Leandrin said there was something in Tanchiko, something dangerous to him speaking of rand but she wouldn't say his name or mentioning the dragon reborn it just was enough to cause her to start crying andrin said it was dangerous to whoever used it too 
almost as dangerous as to, you know, him. That is why she had not already gone after it. And she said being able to channel would not protect him. She said, when we find it, his filthy ability will bind him for us. She kind of shivered almost uncontrollably. But nothing had changed. And Egwene opened her mouth, but then he was like, I've heard enough. Let's see if the other one has anything new to say. Egwene glares at her. And he just stares back just as hard. Neither one's blinking. And Egwene goes into her rebellious stage of, she still thinks she's the wisdom sometimes, and I'm just a village girl to teach about herbs. I'm like, to be fair, she is older than you. She has a bit more experience under her belt. And she's at a major disadvantage in other areas, like a block where you have free access to the one power. You've actually gotten some half-decent training from the Shan Shan, for one. And on top of that, you've gotten some half-decent training from the White Tower. But most of it's come from the Shan Shan, let's be honest. But she's just like, I don't know. She just looks at me differently. She's better realized things are different now. Because Nynaeve was strong in the power, way stronger than Egwene, but she can only actually manage to channel it when she's angry. And other than that, Nynaeve can't channel. But Elaine usually smooth things over when it came to all this. But by the time Egwene thought of smoothing things herself, she'd almost always dug her in her heels and flared her back, trying to say that it would just be kind of like backing down. That was how Nynaeve would see it. This time Elaine was not there. Maureen had summoned the daughter heir with a word, gesture to follow the maiden who had come for the Aes Sedai. Without her, attention stretched, each of the accepted waiting for the other to blink first. Avienda barely breathed. She kept herself way out of this confrontation, and all confrontations. She just considered it simple wisdom to stand clear, which, to be fair, is true. It would be extremely wise and smart, intelligent, whatever you want to call it to stay out of this way, the way of these two women who have magical powers and tempers and are stubborn to boot. But it was Amiko who breaks the impasse, but she was just trying to demonstrate her cooperation. She turned to face the far wall, waiting patiently to be bound. But then Egwene felt kind of foolish. She's the only woman in the room who could channel, unless Nynaeve grew angry or Joyous Shield failed. So she tested the, wheel, the weave of spirit again without thinking, and she indulged in staring match with, while Omiko waited to accept her bonds. At another time, she might have actually laughed out loud, but this time she just opened herself up to Sidar, the never-seen, ever-felt glowing warmth that seemed always to be beyond the corner of the eye. The one power filled her, like joyous life itself redoubled, and wove the flows around Omiko. And even really grunted, doubtful she was mad enough to sense what Egwene was doing, and she could not without her temper up. And yet she could see that Amiko stiffened and the flow of air touched her when she slumped half supported by the flows as if to see how little she was resisting. Now, this is an interesting perspective because I don't think until this point it's really quantifiably stated what is and isn't possible with the one power for somebody like if a woman does something with one power what happens from the other end of things now in my case i've always thought it was any woman anytime anywhere as long as 
she could channel if she had the potential to do so or whatever, or she even has. Let's just start there. If she has channeled, um, she could see the weaves. But it almost seems, and it's kind of a weird situation, it almost seems as if you can only see the weaves if you're channeling or embracing the source, which is a bit strange because you should be able, like, unless, because no one can hold the one power for literally ever. So you kind of have to work with that a little bit. But if you think about it, it also, like, there's other instances in the book that kind of seem to counter that where they're like, oh, she's channeling. I'm like, but you're not even holding one power. How would you know this? So it, it's a bit weird. Um, so if anybody else has any evidence or whatever about this and like the more specifics of it, and I haven't come across it yet or whatever, or maybe we've gone past it and I somehow missed it, please let me know. Um, send me an email or post on Twitter slash X or Facebook or whatever. So it'd be great. I'd love to be correct on it. But yeah, so Amiko is just there getting, you know, all the stuff done to her. And apparently um, Nynaeve can't see the weaves and stuff for whatever reason. But Avienda shudders the way she had taken to doing whenever she knew the power was being channeled near her. Tuck that away for later. But Egwene weaves um, some abilities to block Amiko's ears. Um, you know, basically wrapping her up with one power with air, all that type of stuff. But Avienda's like her face, Amiko's face. She did not look, she did not have the look she did as if the years had passed her by. Not as much as she did. Is that because she was, you know, stilled? She was kind of like eager to get that part out. And she had picked a few habits being around them so much and no tower. Or no woman of the tower could speak of stealing without a chill. And then he, or Egwene moves down the table where she could see Amiko's face from the side and stay out of her vision. and Or stay out of Joy's vision. And Joy always turned her stomach to a lump of ice. But Avienda was right. The difference between herself she had and what she had understood is that Amiko looked young, perhaps younger than her years. But it was not quite the agelessness that Aes Sedai, who had worked with the years of the One Power, so, when Aes Sedai start channeling, they kind of suspend time to some extent, but it's also kind of like a magical trick, I guess is the best way to say it, where it's almost like, you know, you, how do you put it, uh, you don't age but like you retain some age and then you can't tell if it's a younger age or an older age. Cause it's like in between sometimes, but most of the time it just kind of fluctuates. It's, it's magical in its nature. Um, but Egwene's like, yeah, you have sharp eyes, Avienda, but I'm not sure if any of this has to do with stilling, but it has to, I guess, but I don't know what else could cause it. Well, here's the other thing. I said I have to take the three oaths. If you break the three oaths, like have it removed from you in some shape or form, 
technically this is what should happen to you. And in that removing process, um, you expect things like this to happen because stilling is literally the forcefully, you know, removing the ability to channel. Like, removing the ability to channel, but not the ability to sense channeling kind of thing. It's it's a weird system. It's kind of all over the place in some instances, but that's the general gist of it. Might be some slight tweaks to it, but... Not many Aes Sedai being burned out, and fewer than that have been stilled, so burned out was what it was called when it happened by accident. Officially, stilling resulted from trial and sentence. So in other words, burned out is when you just like absorb so much of the one power that it just burns you out, and you just poof. You kill yourself, essentially. I th Well, I shouldn't say... It it is in the long term, but it's not like immediate per se. It's burning out is literally just stilling, but you accidentally did it yourself. And then um, stilling is what they would say is trial and sentence. But Egwene's not really sure the point of it. You know, it's like having two words for falling down the stairs, depending on whether you tripped or pushed. Now, to be fair, tripped and pushed are two different words with two different definitions. And so, but they can, you know, they both kind of overlap into what they're talking about. It's a bit of a weird area, but they're both the same thing. So it shouldn't make too much of a difference, but that is the case. Um, men were gentled, quote unquote gentled, must be gentled before they go mad. But now we have Rand, and the tower shouldn't ever try to gentle him and couldn't dare gentle him. But Nynaeve had put on a lecturing tone, trying to sound Isodias, and she's trying to imitate Shiriam before class, but kind of trying to fake it for right now. But Nynaeve's like, stilling's not a thing anyone could choose to study, you understand. It's generally accepted to be irre irreversible. What makes a woman... What makes a woman able to channel cannot be replaced once it's removed any more than a hand that has been cut off can be healed back into existence. Which, again, they haven't even tried, so I don't know how that even works. But, yeah. And then it gets to the caveat. At least no one had ever been able to steal, heal stilling. There had been attempts. But what Nynaeve was saying is usually true. At least some of the sisters of the Brown Aja would study almost anything if given the chance. But... Some of the yellow sisters who are the best healers would try to learn to heal anything, but even a hint of success at healing a woman who had been stilled was non-existent. It's like, anyway, besides that one hard fact, there's not very much to know, or that is known. Women who are stilled seldom live more than a few years, and they seem to stop wanting to give up, or stop wanting to live and give up. And it's a bit of an unpleasant subject. And Avienda's like, oh, I only thought it might be it. And Egwene's, like, thinking the same thing. But she wants to ask Moraine. If she ever saw her without Avienda there, at least. Their deceit had gotten almost in the way of things as much as it had helped. But what can you do? But Joya must have been stiff from sitting so long. And she just turned smoothly to face them. And sweat beating her forehead could not diminish her dignity and presence. 
more than any more than her drab, rough dress loosened the sense of her being there by choice. She was a handsome woman with something motherly about her face, despite its ageless smoothness, something comforting, but the dark eyes set in the face made a hawk's look kind. She smiles at them, a smile that never reached her eyes, and she's like, the light illumine you, may the hand of the creator shelter you. But Nynaeve, in a quiet and calm voice, tells her she's not going to hear that about her, not coming out of her. But Joya doesn't seem to make Nynaeve's skin crawl like it does Egwene's. Joya's like, I have repented my sins. The dragon is reborn and he holds Kalendor. The prophecies are fulfilled. The dark one must fail. I can see that now. My repentance is real. No one can walk so long in the shadow that she cannot come to the light. But each word, Nanny's voice gets darker and darker and darker. But I'm going to be sure she was furious enough to channel right now, but she, if she did, probably be enough to strangle Joya, you know. But Egwene did not believe that Joya's repentance any more than, you know, obviously Nynaeve did. But the woman's information might be real. Joya is quite capable of a cold decision just to go over what she believed would be the winning side. Or maybe only by time, lying in hope of rescue. Which is also possible. Lies shouldn't be possible for an Aes Sedai, but everyone who had lost all the right to the name, not outright lie. The very first of the three oaths, taken with an oath rod in hand, would see to that, but whatever oaths the Dark One were sworn to drawing the Black Aja, they seem to sever all three oaths. Well, there's ways around that, but you'll want to tuck that away for later. But the Amarled set them out to hunt the Black Aja, hunt Leandrin and the other twelve who had done murder and fled the tower, and after they had to go down, was what two could or would tell them. So Gwen's like, alright, tell us again. Different words. I'm sick and tired of hearing these memorized types of stories. You know, we'll hear you. And this is, of course, for Naive, who gives a loud sniff and a curt nod. And Joy's like, all right, let me see. Different words. The false dragon, Mazrim Taim, who was captured in Saldea, can channel with incredible strength, perhaps as much as Randall Thor, or nearly so, if the reports can be believed. Before he can be brought to the Tarvalon and Gentle, Leandrin means to break him free. He'll be proclaimed as Dragon Reborn, his name given as Randall Thor, and he will be set to destruction on such a scale the world has not seen since the War of the Hundred Years. Now he's like, that's impossible. The pattern won't, accept, won't accept a false dragon. Not that, or now that uh, Rand has proclaimed himself. But Egwene's, you know, tired of this because they've had this out before. But Nynaeve always argued the point, and she was not really sure, you know, why. Nynaeve believed that Rand was the Dragon Reborn, or that Nynaeve really did believe that he was the Dragon Reborn, no matter what she said, no matter what the prophecies in Kalendor and the Fall of Stone. Nynaeve was just enough older than her or than him to have looked after him when he was a child, just as she had after Egwene. He was an Emmons fielder, and Nynaeve still saw her first duty as protecting the people of Emmons Field. is like, is that what Moraine told you? Moraine had spent little time in the tower since she was raised, and not much more with her sisters anywhere. I suppose she knows the workings of village life, perhaps even something of politics between nations, but does she claim certainty about matters learned only through study and discussion with those who, who know how? You know, Still, she might be correct. Masram Taim might well find it impossible to proclaim himself, but if others do it for him, is there much of a difference? But Egwene just 
wished Moraine would show up, and the woman wouldn't speak so commonly with Moraine, but Joya knew very well that she and Nynaeve were only accepted. It made a difference. So Gwen's like, oh, okay, go on, and remember, different words. And Joya's like, of course, of course. But her eyes glittered like chips of black glass. You could see the obvious result. Aunt Randall Thor will be punished and blamed for the de the depredations of, you know, Randall Thor. Even the proof that they're not the same may as well be dismissed. And of all, who can say what tricks the Dragon Reborn, Dragon Reborn can play? Maybe he can put himself in two places at once. Even the sort who have always rallied to false dragon will hesitate in the face of the indiscriminate slaughter and worse laid at his feet. Those who do not shrink at the but such butchery, butchery will seek out Randall Thor, who seems to revel in blood. The nations will unite, as they did in the Aiel War. But she kind of gives, you know, Avian an apologetic smile, which, you know, incongruous beneath the merciless eyes. She's like, well, no doubt more quickly. You know, even the dragon reborn cannot stand against that, not forever. He'll be crushed before the last battle even begins by the very ones he's meant to save. The Dark One will break free, the day of Tarman Gaiden will come, and the shadow will cover the earth and remake the patterns of all time. At least that's what Leandra's plan is. She doesn't seem satisfied about that at all, but she's even not even horrified. And it was a plausible story, much more plausible than Amigo's tale of a few eavesdropping sentences. But Egwene believed Amiko and not Joya. Maybe it's because she wanted to. Who knows? A vague threat in Tanchika was easier to face than the fully fleshed plan to turn every hand against Ram. Just like, no, no. Joya is lying. I'm sure she is. They could not afford to ignore either of these stories, but they couldn't chase after both, not with any hope of success. But the door bangs open and Moraine strides in with Elaine following. The daughter heir was frowning at the floors in front of her toes, lost in thoughts. But Moraine, you know, for once the Aes Serenity had vanished and fury was all over her face. And that's the end of the chapter. So what'd you guys think? Did you enjoy it? Did you think it was up your alley? Anything like that? Uh, was there any information you hadn't been aware of? Um... I mean, everyone's most notable is usually how the power is used, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, let me know what you guys thought. Uh, I'd like to see if it's something that people actually enjoy enough. You know, it's not particularly my favorite story because it's not focused on Matt, but we'll get to that. This series has plenty of Matt stuff. But yeah, um, if you'd like to get a hold of me through Twitter, you can do or slash X. You can get all of me at Twitter slash X, uh, which would be talesoferredarm at gmail.com. Or I should say, <laughs> tales of a red arm, And then Gmail would be talesoferredarm at gmail.com. Um, and then it, I should say at talesoferredarm. Man, I am losing it, guys. I apologize so much. <laughs> Little comedy at the end. Um, and then you can also reach out on uh, Facebook, which is tales of a red arm. Um, Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Um, if you'd like to join the Discord, um, I'm always around, so just message me a question or whatever or pop in there and say something in one of the, the pages or something like that. 
Uh, I'd love to chat with you guys. Um, you can reach that through Facebook and Twitter slash X. If you do not have access to uh, either of those types of things, you can always reach out to me directly through my email, talesofroadarm at gmail.com. I can get you the link so you can join in. We can just have a fun little conversation. But yeah, uh, thanks everybody for hanging out. We have chapter six coming up, so looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit more longer than this one was for the next chapter. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it as we make our way through. So thanks again. Until then. Drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls will spend our pay. And when we're done, then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and struggle the girls be they short or tall. And follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and struggle the girls be they short or tall. Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll give a yell with a bloody curse, and hug the maids, it could be worse. Let's ride away with the dark woods first to dance with Jack of the Shadows. Yeah. 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 Yeah.